Good day, folks, and welcome to episode four of the Playing Crazy Down Under podcast. I'm Grant McCarran, and once again, I'm flying solo on this podcast as my partner in crime, Steve Vischer, is over in the United States still. Uh, we will have a small piece from him towards the end of the show where he's uh, giving us an update on what he's been getting up to over there. Okay, folks, we've got a pretty busy one for news this week. Part of the reason is because we've just had the Asia-Pacific Aviation Outlook Summit 2009 held in Sydney. So there's been a fair bit of news generated from that. I was fortunate enough to go up to Sydney on Wednesday to uh, meet up with a few people around the uh, conference, the summit. Specifically, Shashank Nigam from uh, Simply Flying decided that it would be a good idea to hold a tweet-up. So we did a combined Plane Crazy Down Under and Simply Flying tweet-up. Uh, we did that at a pub across the road at Jackson's on George, over the road from the Four Seasons where the, uh, the summit was being held. And uh, we got a, a few people turning up there. We had some drinks and some nibbles and uh, we even organised a panel session which featured uh, Carla Courtney who runs the Qantas Travel Insider website and... And uh, Phil, who, sorry, Phil, I didn't get your last name. Phil, one of the marketing folks from Pacific Blue, and myself. We were all on the panel and answering questions and giving our views and opinions on where things are going with social networking, marketing, IT, general online kind of world things, and aviation and airports. Uh, There was a lot of interaction with the people there and a lot of great discussions and topics and ideas. It was really enjoyable. I had a great time and it was great to meet everyone who was there. So thanks to those of you who showed up. It was brilliant and really looking forward to doing another one of those in the future. So meanwhile, we've got a lot of news to get through. Uh, it's been, Like I said, it's been a very busy week. So without any further ado, we'll get straight into the news. We're going to lead off in this episode with a very interesting story about a whole new boarding pass technology that Jetstar has introduced. Steve Creedy writing in The Australian says that uh, an Australian technology will soon allow Jetstar passengers to receive their boarding passes via SMS. This is being hailed as a world first. Uh, It's a new technology that means a unique boarding code, which is scanned in lieu of the traditional paper boarding pass, can be sent to any mobile phone regardless of whether it has wireless application protocol, aka WAP, or internet connectivity. So this is pretty big stuff. They've been experimenting in the past with... uh, getting these things working using the latest Blackberries and iPhones and systems, uh, some of the Nokia, top-of-the-line Nokias that can access the internet and uh, display barcodes in native form. But to be able to display this information and have it scanned in a text-based SMS is pretty impressive stuff. According to the article, Jetstar is combining the SMS code with an automatic check-in option that allows customers who buy a ticket on its website to request that the airline check them in 24 hours prior to departure. The system automatically sends them the SMS code, which they call up on their mobile phone display and present for scanning as they board the plane. Of course, obviously, they're going to have to turn off their phones straight after doing that. This was launched by, announced by Jetstar at, at the summit in Sydney. Now, this initiative from Jetstar is a pretty good example of what I was talking about at the panel session at the TweetUp earlier this week. It's an example of uh, a business-driven initiative that's trying to make the customer's life better uh, with IT supporting it all the way. So it's great, a great piece of IT work that's helping the business to simplify the life of its customers, thereby delighting them and hopefully leading to more sales. Another side effect of this project is that it's bound to reduce the the paper presentation so it's greener, it's going to be less hassle. Um, if, it, if it winds up working and running properly, it's going to be a great benefit to Jetstar and no doubt we'll see it being introduced to other airlines around the world. So yeah, major kudos to Jetstar, well done. 
And while we're talking about the Qantas group of companies, it's quite fascinating to look at the difference between Jeff Dixon, the previous CEO, and Alan Joyce, the current one. Now, whether this is totally to do with the impacts of the financial crisis and the fall in revenue and passengers and so on, or whether this is also just a reflection of the difference in personality types, I think there's a little bit of both here. Uh, We've got an article from Matt Sullivan in The Age, and he's writing about the Qantas boss being a cautious optimist. He's saying Qantas boss Alan Joyce remains cautious about a recovery in demand for travel despite early signs of an improvement in bellwether sectors, insisting that it's too early to say if the recovery would stick. He also made it clear that discounting of international fares would continue for months to come because of overcapacity on routes. He's come in at a time when things are pretty nasty. Ross Kelly reports in the Australian Business section that uh, Qantas today confirmed it had suspended indefinitely any plans to float its frequent flyer business amid a dire outlook for aviation. If you remember a few episodes back, we did raise this as uh, one of the first things Joyce was doing. He was uh, confirming that Qantas were not looking at any mergers and uh, definitely not going to spin off their various uh, divisions such as frequent flyers and engineering and so on. These had all been set up by Dixon while he was in in power. He was uh, getting these all ready to go. And Joyce comes in and says, no, they're off the cards. Now, I think a big part of that was because everyone was suddenly having to deal with the impacts of the GFC, the global financial crisis. But I think also there's a part of uh, Joyce's personality style and his outlook on the world. During the aviation conference in Sydney, he again ruled out any form of merger with any other airline. According to another article by Matt O'Sullivan in um, the Age Business section, he says he does believe that consolidation is important and where it makes sense, they will seriously look at it. However, the fact that there has been a lot of talk about it but no one has really done it shows how difficult it is, particularly with all the regulations. So he's he's definitely killed off the IPO. He has uh, confirmed that they're definitely not merging with anyone. He's cautiously optimistic about the future. And yet a few days before Alan Joyce was presenting at the... uh, at the conference, Jeff Dixon was standing up and saying to everyone that revenues in the global aviation industry may take until 2013 to reach the levels they peaked at last year, and profitability was unlikely to be restored until the end of 2011. Uh, Steve Creedy, uh, aviation writer for The Australian, has captured uh, Dixon's comments here. Mr. Dixon predicted a further wave of takeovers and mergers in the US and Europe and said airlines outside Asia would see Asian players as attractive potential partners. Dixon's still talking about uh, mergers and getting airlines to join, and yet Joyce is saying, no, that's not on the radar at all. So quite interesting to see the difference in how these two men run companies and their outlook on the world. It's a good thing that Alan Joyce does have a a pretty level head and uh, good business savvy, because uh, he's definitely in an interesting uh, situation with the Pacific, with uh, the four airlines, including the Qantas Group, with Qantas and Jetstar, and United, now V Australia and Delta flying from Australia to the US. You've also, of course, got in New Zealand flying between New Zealand and the US, so going across the Pacific as well. So it's getting pretty busy there. So there is a fair war going on. And as Steve Creedy writes in The Australian, Qantas vows to slug out fair war. Qantas says it has no choice but to continue to match low airfares to remain competitive. Chief Executive Alan Joyce said yesterday there was a mixture on Qantas routes of commercially driven carriers acting rationally and others adding capacity into declining markets. Asked if he would follow an Emirates move to raise fares by 7%, he said the Qantas approach had been to reduce capacity by grounding and deferring aircraft. He confirmed that Qantas would not oppose the proposed joint venture between Delta Airlines and Virgin Blue on the Trans-Pacific routes, but noted new entrants 
such as US carriers Northwest and Continental had plunged the route into losses before. He stated that they've been operating on the route for 55 years and there have been large periods of time when it hasn't made money because competition goes through these cycles. Joyce says Qantas are there to stay, they're not going anywhere, and it's a market that's core to the Qantas operation, a market they're proud to serve, and it's a very important market. Now, of course, it's a very important market because apparently approximately a quarter of Qantas's profit is generated from just the Pacific route. So anything that impacts that is going to hit Qantas's bottom line pretty hard. Also interesting to note that he's saying that there have been large periods of time when it hasn't made any money because of competition. So Qantas see it as so important they're willing to keep it up even though it's not making as much money just to stay in the route and tough it out until the newcomers can't take it anymore and leave. Also in the same article it's discussed that Qantas are delaying taking their fourth A380 by a month because they claim that the Super Jumbo was not up to scratch at the original delivery date. Uh, Joyce said the aircraft type had as, has enjoyed a better entry into service than the Boeing 747-400 and is proving popular with customers, attracting both yield and passenger load premium. However, apparently they want to make sure that everything on the fourth aircraft meets the airline's high standards. The question has to be asked, does it mean that there was actually some defects and there were problems, or were there a few defects that they normally could have taken on and run with, but because if they delay the aircraft, they delay the payment... There's a good excuse to uh, delay it. Sticking with Qantas news, they've announced a uh, new business-oriented marketing campaign. They're uh, specifically trying to uh, increase the number of small to medium enterprise staff that fly with them. According to an article by Steve Creedy in The Australian, Qantas will launch a major push to boost its domestic market share by targeting the small and medium enterprise flyers who are crucial to Virgin Blue's strategy to boost profitability. Qantas have finally noticed that uh, Virgin has grabbed a large stake of the, the small business market, many of whom are flying on economy and discount fares but want flexibility and value for money. Qantas have been mostly targeting the bigger end and of course now that with the GFC the big end's disappearing, they're finding that a lot of people who were flying business are now pushing back into economy. They need to re retarget that whole small to medium enterprise area. Joyce believes that overcapacity is going to lead to the collapse of some carriers on various routes, and he believes that one of the four carriers competing on the non-stop routes between Australia and the US is likely to quit within 18 months. He's not saying which ones he believes are going to fail. He does say he's uh, not referring to the V Australia Delta joint uh, venture, but he does agree that the slump's going to affect low-cost carriers as well as full-service airlines. Uh, he does point out that the International Air Transport Association showed uh, 50 airlines failed last year and another 20 were expected to go in the next 12 months. It's pretty uh, sobering thoughts there. In addition to, uh, to targeting the small to medium enterprise and really going for a business blitz, uh, Qantas have also relaunched uh, their website. According to an article in uh, the, the Age Business Day, Qantas Airways has relaunched its branded website to include new features that allow travellers to research and manage their own travel arrangements. The Qantas.com.au site receives 7.5 million hits a month and has expanded from one that purely booked flights to one where customers can plan, book and manage all their leisure or business travel requirements online. Quite, it is quite a, a good change. I was using it just the other day to book my frequent flyer point trip up to Sydney for the, for the conference. This site, of course, has also got the Travel Insider website attached to it. That's the one that Carla Courtney runs. They're doing they're doing a lot to try and revamp and reposition. It's it's good to see a, a large organisation like Qantas doing far, the fast turns and fast changes required to survive in the uh, changing world that we're in at the moment.
And it's a good thing that Qantas is working pretty hard to uh, restore its levels of passengers because the whole Asia-Pacific area is being hit pretty hard by the swine flu panic that's going on at the moment. Uh, according to an article by Steve Creedy in The Australian, Asia-Pacific travel recovery falls foul of flu. you got to love it when they do that with a title. Fears about swine flu are delaying a recovery in Asia-Pacific international air travel and are estimated to have wiped out about four percentage points off regional growth rates last month. So yeah, in addition to the the fare wars and the and the premium class passengers not flying anymore or downgrading to economy, we've also got fear of the swine flu pandemic that's going on at the moment, keeping everyone at home. And the impact of the swine flu panic is uh, just one more straw that's breaking the back of Cathay at the moment. Again, Steve Creedy in The Australian writing that times are turbulent for Cathay as it faces storm. He's saying if there are signs of recovery in the aviation industry, Cathay Pacific Chief Executive Tony Tyler isn't seeing them from the towers of Hong Kong. He's saying things are pretty grim. He's not seen the airline industry in such bad shape in the 30 years that he's been in the business. Frankly, he doubts that it's ever been this bad. He's saying Cathay Pacific are suffering a toxic combination of a collapse in our front-end cargo revenues, skinny yields at the back of the plane, volatile fuel prices, and an international financial crisis that shows no sign of ending. All this plus swine flu is uh, definitely having its impact. Cathay are saying their yields have been hammered by a fall in premium passengers who typically make up only 7 to 10% of passenger loads but provide up to 30% of revenue. Tyler says the flu-related fall in passenger traffic is temporary and is the results of reactions in markets such as mainland China, Taiwan and Japan. He believes the flu panic is subsiding and while he's expecting another hit in the July traffic numbers, he expects the impact to have fallen away by September. One of his biggest worries at the moment though is that uh, there may be permanent structural change in first and business class travel and that uh, some of these people may never come back. Further on in the same article, it talks about how uh, Tyler is saying the airline is happy with its current mix of airliners, but notes that rising fuel prices could see it phase out its Boeing 747s earlier than planned. It is going to continue to develop its 777s, but it's already telling Boeing and engine manufacturer General Electric that they need to ginger the aircraft up a bit if they want to keep it competitive. Apparently they've got 30 777s on firm order, and they're probably going to get more, particularly if the economics improve. Tyler was saying the airline has no plans at this stage to take the A380 Super Jumbo, uh, even though some people see it as the ideal plane for the Hong Kong to London route. He says that Cathay has done a lot of analysis and believes that there are better ways of moving around passengers than the current version of the A380. He has no doubt it's going to be a very successful aircraft and a very strong competitor with good economics, but that he believes that there are aircraft with better economics for their particular network. While not ruling out this 747 Intercontinental, they are extremely interested in the new A350 if it does what it says on the box. They think the 787, while it's a good aircraft, is a bit small and perhaps doesn't have the range that they want. So, once again, very interesting how different airlines look at different uh, air aircraft. They're flying some of the same routes, but they're considering quite different aircraft. Next up, we have a media release from V Australia announcing that they've introduced new one-way fares between LA and Australia from just $359. That's right, it's a one-way fare. They claim they're making it flexible and affordable and that coming home is optional. Uh, they're saying that they continue to shake up the market with the introduction of super cheap one-way tickets between Los Angeles and Sydney and Los Angeles and Brisbane, offering more flexibility for travellers. Virgin Blue Group Chief Executive Brett Godfrey says the initiative was another example of V Australia remaining open and adaptable to new ideas and championing change for customers. 
He's quoted as saying that the biggest joke in the industry was that for the cheapest and least restrictive one-way fare, travellers had to purchase a return fare and throw away the return portion. Yeah, they're definitely getting in there, as uh, as Steve Vischer was saying on the Airplane Geeks podcast that was recorded recently. Uh, some years ago, he was paying almost $3,000 to go from Australia to the US. Now he's paying less than 1000 for his latest flight. So the competition is definitely good for the airfares, but are they sustainable? Um, as we had just before with Alan Joyce from Qantas saying it's not sustainable eventually someone will go so it's going to be very interesting to see who stays alive here. Uh, Virgin look like they're going to stay alive for a little bit longer according to Matt O'Sullivan writing for WA Today um, in their business section Virgin's share offer takes flight. Uh, He's saying that Virgin Blue's heavily discounted share issue has successfully mounted its first hurdle, raising $133 million from institutional investors. So we mentioned uh, in the last few podcasts that Virgin's been uh, busy working to raise more capital. They uh, had to halt their shares on the market. Uh, A few things didn't quite work out. They opened it again, and now they've just gone through another halt. They've actually managed to raise quite a bit of money through a share issue. The airline's largest shareholder, Sir Richard Branson's Virgin Group, will sub-underwrite the retail offer, which could result in its stake rising from 25.5% to 30%, depending on retail investors' appetite for the new shares. So that's great to see that uh, Virgin Blue have raised some more money. That'll definitely help keep them around, uh, help keep them running Pacific Blue over in New Zealand and the Pacific area, and uh, keep V Australia running And sticking with the Virgin Group, they've just had a recent scare. Uh, There's been a bit of a food poisoning issue with some Virgin flights. It was reported in the ABC News that the state of Queensland's health department is investigating a food poisoning scare involving Virgin Blue and several other companies in southeast Queensland. The alleged incident happened between May and June involving the supply of chicken wraps. So when you're on Virgin, you can buy uh, a number of different sandwiches and meals, uh, one of which is the chicken wrap. It's pretty good. I have had it a few times myself and do enjoy it. So fortunately, I wasn't flying between May and June. Otherwise, I could have been one of the people who uh, may have had a bit of a listeria scare. Queensland Health says the affected wraps may have been supplied to customers on flights along the east coast of Australia and to New Zealand and Bali. The likely source of contamination was an ingredient supplied to the manufacturers of the wraps and not Virgin Blue or other companies who received the affected products. It's amazing what can happen. Someone further up the chain does something wrong and you wind up with a contaminated product, but it's your brand that takes the hit because people bought it on your aircraft. Virgin Blue has been putting a lot of effort into tracking down the people who ordered the uh, the chicken wraps on those flights and uh, making sure they're all okay. Well, folks, we're going to move into a slightly more somber part of this podcast now. Some of the news that we're going to report on is a little, a little sad compared to what we normally report. The first one up relates to the Royal Australian Air Force and uh, their involvement in Vietnam during the Vietnam conflict. Uh, This is an article in the ABC News stating that uh, missing Vietnam airmen's remains have been found. The remains of the final two missing defence personnel from the Vietnam War have been found. Uh, The RAAF put a lot of effort into uh, confirming what had happened to all its personnel that were missing, presumed dead, uh, making sure they found those that had been captured and brought back, uh, finding the remains of those who had been shot down. And uh, for a very long time, there was uh, a Canberra bomber that had gone missing and they had no idea what had happened to it, where it was at. Well, they've finally put that one to rest. The article says that Flying Officer Michael Herbert and Pilot Officer Robert Carver's Canberra bomber went missing in November 1970. Uh, Their remains have been found in an extremely remote area of Vietnam near the Laotian border. 
An Air Force investigation team which recently deployed to Vietnam have found human remains at the site where the wreckage of a Royal Australian Air Force Canberra bomber was located in April this year. Yeah, a bit of a bit of a sad subject, but uh, also good that we've got closure on on that aspect of the Vietnam conflict. And continuing the sombre mood, uh, we have an article in the uh, the ABC News that says that the wreckage of a Mapati twin otter has been found in Indonesia. It was reported earlier in the week that uh, a Mapati Airlines twin otter went missing over Indonesia's rugged Papua region with 16 people on board. Well, they've now found it in dense jungle. They've managed to get some crews in and found that there were no survivors. It appears to have crashed into a mountain range on Sunday as it flew from Jayapura to Oxibal. Um, as it says in the article, Indonesia relies heavily on air links across the archipelago, but its safety record is one of the worst in Asia and accidents are common. And continuing the Asian incidents theme here, uh, we have the report that a Bangkok Airways ATR-72 skidded off the runway in Koh Samui in Thailand, was landing in heavy rain on Tuesday afternoon local time and skidded off the tarmac and crashed into the control tower. Uh, plane caught fire, but the 68 passengers and four crew were, did manage to get to safety. However, the captain of the flight was killed and the co-pilot uh, is now hospitalised. Six passengers had been taken to hospital with broken legs among their injuries. The 70-seater ATR-72 was flying from the southwestern tourist town at Krabi, about 230 kilometres away on the Andaman coast, and going to Koh Samui in the Gulf of Thailand. Uh, Bangkok Airways flies between the towns three times a week. Bit of a tragic incident there, uh, wet runway and some crosswinds it would appear, and off, off it went, and of all things to run into, it was the control tower. So yeah, sadly, Captain dead and many crew and passengers injured in that one. And jumping across the Tasman to New Zealand, we have an article in Aviation Today that says that the Royal New Zealand Air Force is going to upgrade their aircraft used for training. Uh, apparently the ground training wing in Woodburn near Blenheim is looking to uh, upgrade the fleet of aircraft they use for their technical trade training people. Uh, they're currently using some aging de Havilland Devon aircraft and Bell 47 Sioux helicopters. Now these are old aircraft. Uh, even when I was a kid living in New Zealand, uh, they were considered kind of old at the time. They're going to replace them with uh, Mitsubishi MU-2F aircraft and some SH-2F Sea Sprite helicopters. So yeah, it looks like these aircraft will actually be uh, maintained in flying condition. They're not just going to be static test articles. So uh, it's good to see that they are actually upgrading their training equipment. And finally, in this week's episode, we have a uh, bit of a uh-oh story. Uh, the ABC News writes that a Cessna takes off without pilot. A light aircraft has taken off at Cooper PD in outback South Australia without the pilot. Apparently, the man was unable to start the Cessna from the cockpit, so he got out to hand prop it. Naturally, as you would expect, when the plane started, it became airborne without him and travelled about 300 metres before it crashed in a ditch and rolled over. No one was injured in the mishap, but police say the plane is a write-off. And there's a photo here, and yeah, the engine's been trashed. Uh, the empennage is broken and at an angle to the rest of the fuselage, and it's lying on its on its wing upside down. So pretty sad story there, and no surprise really. If you're hand-propping, you've got to have the park brake on, chocked, preferably someone inside riding the brakes. It's It just happens. If you hand-prop, you can expect the plane will get away from you. There was a classic case in South Australia where a uh, aircraft was hand-propped, got away from the pilot and didn't really stop until it had chewed through a couple of aircraft, uh, leaving one looking like a loaf of sliced bread as the propeller worked its way up the fuselage. 
Well, folks, that's enough news for this week's episode. We're going to play an update from Steve Vischer. He's traveling still in the USA, and he has quite a bit of, to say on some uh, pretty funky things he's experienced while he's over there. So here we go. Well, good day, folks. It's Steve here, and I'm speaking to you once again this week from the US at the tail end of my trip now and uh, getting ready uh, for the long, long trip back across the Pacific. Uh, as much as I like flying, uh, really not looking forward to having my backside on a seat for 13 hours uh, with uh, not much space to walk around in, but uh, that's the price you pay for uh, doing the trip across here to the US, I guess. I'm uh, staying tonight uh, at a hotel just near Petaluma in California. Those of you who are devotees of podcasts will uh, no doubt know that uh, Petaluma is the uh, podcast mecca of the universe, in my opinion. Uh, it's where the uh, This Week in Tech network is, Leo Laporte's Twit network. And I'm absolutely stoked to uh, have been allowed to go and visit, or to be allowed to go and visit them tomorrow, and uh, hopefully to meet uh, Leo Laporte himself. Uh, it's a, a wonderful opportunity, and I'm... Yeah, like I say, absolutely stoked to uh, have been allowed to uh, go there and uh, see how the professionals do these sorts of things. Hopefully uh, get a little bit of publicity for what we're doing here, but also uh, get to see how things are done in the professional world uh, and hopefully pick up a few tips for uh, my production techniques. Uh, On the aviation side of it this week, uh, not that much to report, uh, just a little uh, travelogue, I guess, on what I've been doing. I spent yesterday uh, pottering around the skies of uh, Arkansas in a uh, lovely restored Cessna 150 tail dragger, a 1962 model. Uh, My good friend Gary, who uh, was uh, my flying instructor for most of the time I was in the States back in the 90s learning to fly. Uh, Gary now works in the corporate world flying Cessna Citations uh, and uh, has only recently uh, made uh, captain. And uh, if there's ever a man who deserves to uh, finally be having a a great job like that and holding a position of captain, it's him. He has uh, really done it hard over the years, uh, scratching and scraping like many uh, instructors do, looking for whatever work they can get, uh, you know, doing the dirty jobs that... That, uh, more experienced pilots no longer need to do so yeah it's a uh, real credit to him that he's stuck at it for uh, well over 20 years now and uh, has uh, really fallen on his feet spent a uh, lovely evening last night after we'd done the flying at his hangar at a uh, little out of the way airstrip in arkansas called bald knob and uh, he's got a hangar there and uh, we had a lovely uh, southern u.s style cookout uh, with uh, a few uh, flying buddies and uh, some hamburgers and uh, beer and uh, yeah, gee, it was a uh, really, a, really a great night. Uh, so up again this morning and uh, back to endure the uh, Southwest Airlines rather bizarre boarding system. And uh, once we got airborne, we left Little Rock, Arkansas, made a stop over in Las Vegas. I managed uh, once we were in Las Vegas to uh, squiggle up to the front and grab seat one Alpha, which. Uh, is uh, if you're ever going to fly southwest, that's the one to get because it's got all the leg room. 737-700, uh, quite a, uh, a new aircraft by, by all looks and um, quite a bit more comfortable to travel on than the uh, two that I'd travelled on uh, the week before. A little bit bumpy, the weather was uh, quite warm, so getting down around the uh, mountains on, a, on approaches to um, uh, particularly Las Vegas was a little bit bumpy, but uh, nothing to worry about at all. I uh, spoke to the captain on the way out and... Uh, he picked up on my accent, of course, and uh, tells me that he uh, spent a little bit of time at, in Darwin flying uh, uh, KC-135s uh, for the US Air Force many years ago during uh, some of the many uh, military exercises that uh, Australia and the US participated in up there in the north of Australia. So I had a bit of a chat to him, and that was quite interesting. Uh, once we left Las Vegas, flew up to Oakland, California, and... Um, 
yeah, here I am. Uh, one of the other interesting things I've done in my time here, uh, of course, uh, the people I live with are uh, retired Air Force, and they were able to uh, gain me some access to uh, Little Rock Air Force Base through all the official channels, so that was uh, really great. Uh, Little Rock Air Force Base is uh, predominantly a training facility for C-130 Hercules crews, and uh, really does give you a an idea of the scale of the U.S. Air Force, uh, perhaps by comparison to the uh, RAAF, they have uh, in excess of 50 C-130s on that base uh, for training. Now that's uh, more than twice the number of C-130s uh, that the RAAF has in its entire fleet. So, yeah, quite an impressive sight. I remember back in my days when I was learning to fly here back in the early 90s, um, you really did have to keep your eyes peeled around the skies of central Arkansas because those C-130s travel in uh, multi-ship convoys all over the place doing their training exercises. And, uh, of course, being in their camouflage paint, uh, they're usually down low. Uh, when you're uh, flying up above them, uh, they, they, do t- they do tend to blend into the uh, background. So, uh, yeah, you really do have to uh, uh, keep your eyes peeled. The C-130 is uh, one of my absolute favourite aircraft and from an airplane geeks and I guess an airplane spotter's point of view, uh, bases like Little Rock, yeah, just uh, places to uh, be in the vicinity of if you like seeing those planes because they, they are up and down and in and out of that place 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Interesting to note that um, the other Air Force base that used to be in Arkansas, which was up in the northwest uh, of the state, up near uh, closer to Memphis, Tennessee, the Blytheville Air Force Base has been closed down. Uh, It's now just a civilian airport. Um, I remember back in the uh, late 80s uh, swinging by Blytheville and that's one base that you couldn't get onto um, even with with the right connections because that was a strategic air command or a SAC base and that had uh, operational uh, B-52s there on standby and ready to go. Um, You could see them from the freeway and a a pretty awesome sight. I I remember uh, seeing rows and rows of these uh, huge, huge B-52s there, all primed and ready to go on a moment's notice. Uh, Sadly, these days, uh, the base is uh, closed as a military facility. It's got a couple of uh, very, very good condition uh, runways that are in very good shape uh, for the uh, civilian traffic that uh, now no doubt uses that facility. Not much else to report. Did have a little bit of a niggle with my V Australia rental car booking here in California, but I'll uh, explain uh, more about that next week when I'm back in Australia. I'll hand you back to Grant, and um, the next time I talk to you, I'll be talking to you once again from my small office somewhere in the southern suburbs of Melbourne. Until then, cheers, folks. Bye now. Thanks for that update, Steve. That was very much appreciated. And yes, I uh, I do understand what you're saying about seeing so many Hercules and really getting a feel for just how much bigger the U.S. Air Force is compared to anything we've ever seen before. I recall well my first time flying into Hawaii. We were over there with my family for a visit. And as we were coming down on short finals, uh, looking to the left out the window and seeing the military airbase there, and it was packed full of C5s, C17s, KC-135s. I saw more KC-135s than I'd ever seen in my life, and they're all just sitting there on the tarmac getting ready to go or being serviced. Absolutely amazing, plus the F-15s. Just an amazing sight, so many aircraft. I'd never seen so many C5s in one place. It was, it was just great, absolutely brilliant and an amazing experience. So I totally understand what you're meaning there about seeing all those C-130s, mate. Okay, folks, that's all we've got for this week's episode. Thanks very much for tuning in and downloading this podcast. Very much appreciate you taking the time. I hope you're enjoying them. Please do let us know. Give us your feedback. You can either post comments on the website or you can send us an email. 
we're playing crazy down under at gmail.com and we really appreciate hearing from everyone on what we're doing right what we're doing wrong what we could improve things that you're looking forward to hearing we've got some interviews that have been recorded and a few more that we're going to do we're going to splice them in around the weekly news and have them as their own standalone episodes so watch for them in the itunes feed lots of other things coming along as we get time and the ideas for it including eventually i'll get the time to update the website yeah definitely it needs a bit of work to uh, make it look a little better and highlight the things it needs but for now it's doing the job holding the content and uh, serving up these podcasts so thanks once again folks I'm Grant McCarran. Remember, it's what's down under that counts. Thanks a lot. The kind folks at the Department of the Bleeding Obvious have asked us to make this statement. The views and opinions we present in this podcast are ours and do not necessarily represent those of groups we work with or are associated with, although we think they probably should. We certainly don't claim to be experts, we're just opinionated enthusiasts who are willing to comment publicly on the world around us. This show is intended as entertainment and any education that may occur is purely coincidental. As with anything in life, it is your responsibility to determine what does or does not work in your situation and to seek out suitable guidance and or instruction. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons non-commercial by attribution license. For more details on this license and our contact details, please visit our website at www.playingcrazydownunder.com. Thanks, folks.